Oh, snap. Look at that. Brooklyn Games has a Kickstarter for Zine Quest of Worldlings. Tales of Tiny Gods. I'm definitely... Oh, it's not live yet. I gotta wait till Tuesday? Oh, I'm definitely gonna be back. Welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. I'm your host, Logar the Barbarian. And I'm joined today by Jim Hall of Brooklyn Games. Welcome. Hey, Logar. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm happy to be here. That's good. That's good. It, it's been a good day. Got a lot done. And uh, I, I'm ready to talk about, about role-playing games. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> I love talking about role-playing games. It, it, it annoys my wife, I think, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, I get that. I understand. I have to. So here's the thing about me um i'm ex- i'm known like well, for people i interact with on a on a regular basis at workplaces and stuff as being like very quiet and reserved but i'm not a quiet and reserved person i'm a very boisterous and outgoing person if you talk to me about something i'm interested in yeah. and like <laughs> you know? yeah so, you don't strike me as quiet and reserved <laughs> so, <no. laughs> oddly enough i i think i am when i go out in public and i'm not engaging in discussions about things that i care about if <laughs> that makes sense like role-playing games like role-playing yeah. games a few other <laughs> subjects and speaking of which we got it's well actually it's not yet but by the time this drops it's the month of zine quest yes i think it's zine quest four. Oh my goodness uh, it's <laughs> It this will be like- my uh, my first zine quest ever, too. So I didn't even know it was a thing until this past year. Really? Yeah. So yeah. It, it is. There's been lots of great stuff that's been coming out of these zine quests. Uh, there's been a bit of a, a, a switcheroo and stuff on the dates and stuff this year. And a bit of a, I don't know, some people are eh, not happy, but eh, that's neither here nor there. I'm not going to get yeah, into that the, the show. Uh, <laughs> the, the whole uh, zine month. Uh, experience um i thought that was really cool to see the community get together around um you know making their own zine quest and you know i'm all i'm here for it so uh but at the same time you know uh zine quest has produced you know has uh the people who participate in it have produced some really excellent stuff and uh you know i i want to get i want to play that game you know so here i am all right, so so what's what you got going on for Zine Month or Zine Quest? <laughs> I'm gonna switch them up. Uh, well, the last adventure that uh, I wrote for our my Patreon, the Brooklyn Games Patreon, I worked together with uh, AJ Montague, who is an old friend of mine from like college days. Who we we played uh, uh, Pathfinder and D and D together. Nice. We worked on that together, and then also this artist called uh, Okro who just makes this really fun, whimsical art that I think, um, it, it, to me, it inspires storytelling. Um, so we worked all together on uh, uh, Gabico or Gabico. Uh, people pronounce it differently. Um, <laughs> uh, but, um, and so, you know, I, I, was, I was really inspired by Okro's art and, um, you know, uh, AJ uh, and I, you know, we just started like brainstorming stuff and we started coming up with this idea of these, 
these these little gods uh we started off calling them tiny gods that would permeate the entire natural world um and you know we started thinking about the sort of interactions that they might have with modern society or maybe not modern society but you know fantasy modern whatever yeah that might be uh, and so we came up this with this concept of uh, worldlings, tiny gods. And so the project is called Worldlings, uh, Tales of Tiny Gods. And uh, right now you can actually find the Kickstarter. Uh, so I'll uh, I'll share the link later on because, um, of course, I didn't line up the link ahead of time. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah, we'll make sure we'll definitely make sure we put a link to it in the show notes. Um, so if anybody's interested, go on down there. You can check it. We're, we upload these to Anchor FM, so I know the links work in Anchor FM. Uh, I mean, uh, maybe, I don't know how they pull over to other podcast listening places. Well, um, I mean, you'll, you can find the project right now on like the pre-launch page. Uh, it's kickstarter.com slash projects slash Brooklet Games slash worldlings dash tales dash of dash tiny dash gods. That's a mouthful. Uh, or you could just, you know, find it on Twitter, you know, find, find Brooklyn games on Twitter and you can, uh, it'll be all over there. But um, it's a really fun concept because uh, it kind of starts off, you know, the base of the concept is almost like a, a little bestiary. I just heard your, your um, interview with the Mary Mushman folks. Yes. Had heard them talking about uh, the B series that they're putting out, which of course I'm super excited about. <laughs> and this is kind of a kind of a similar concept in that you have these creatures, these godlings, that are relatively fragile, but they really power the entire natural world. And you know, they and because of that, they actually have some really powerful effects that if you you know work with them, you might be able to tap into, or if you uh, fight against them you might be able to tap into so there's there's that aspect of it where it's almost like a uh bestiary bestiary whatever um but uh i, I want to make it more like uh, the deities and demigods book almost <laughs> but maybe not as high power uh well i, I want to make it more like story prompts okay so yeah because the, the creatures you know they're they're going to be fun and eventually the you're going to kind of discover the creatures underneath um what i'm hoping is you can kind of discover creatures underneath mysteries that you encounter so uh you know we don't have that much of it written yet but um uh, inspiration for me for this project is this uh anime from i uh, maybe 2005 or so called mushishi which is all about this guy that travels across the uh, feudal japan um, and he kind of solves, he's like, he's kind of like a, 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 almost like a Sherlock Holmes type and uh, not, not that, not so analytical, but he, he solves these mysteries for people and they wind up finding out that it's, that they've formed some connection with these mushishi, these uh, kind of tiny gods. And so I, I really like that concept and I want to uh, sort of create that, um, that space within within the game i'll say one thing like i have i like okay i'm gonna fast forward somewhere go completely off track okay I've got the the frog god has the tomahors and the monstrosities for swords and wizardry and each entry comes with some sort of prompts and stuff like that for the the swords and wizardry ones since the stat blocks are so small they gave you 
stuff to work with to make interesting adventures. And then after speaking to the Merry Mushmen and hearing what they're doing with their bestiary, making it focus on what you can do with it story-wise, I love this I, I this trend in, in, uh, in monster manuals and bestiaries that where you're getting stuff that you can use in game more than just a stat block. Because a lot of times you just get, okay, it's just a few more hit points to smack on the way along the way. But yeah. ways to make those encounters and stuff interesting and fun. I like that. Now, one of the books I've barely ever opened and barely ever used is the Deities and Demigods book. My AD&D one. I've got all those AD&D books. I love them. I've used a lot of them a lot. But that Deities and Demigods book, Never crack that open. Why? Because it's not practical to use gods most of the time, except for name dropping a god. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so I like, like that. That's a great idea to give us more to work with. Like, okay, mini deity, here's some stuff you can work with to flesh out and have a good encounters and yeah. fun to things to do with them. That's exactly what a deities and demigods needs. <laughs> and, and frankly, the these these little gods, uh, these worldlings, they're not big powerful gods. It's it's more of this animistic. Uh, style approach to almost spirits that power yeah. everything you know that's cool there's thousands and thousands of them in a given forest and you might be able to just kind of squish one with your foot they're not strong <laughs> but i'm not you know i love combat it's a really interesting part of gameplay but like some of the best sessions that i've played there was zero combat you know and so these these little very kind of weak creatures essentially they're they're not there for fighting i mean you can try fighting them and you might be surprised with the power that they that they have but like it's it's way more about um figuring out how to work with them or around them in order to solve the problems that they're causing and yeah uh like civilization air quotes civilization whatever that means an idea was there, there are children who are going missing and, and obviously everyone is terrified about that, but a child that had gone missing was found and they were buried under a, 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 a sort of carpet of moss. Um, and the, the child uh, did not wake up, you know, when found it's kind of, uh, they're kind of stuck in a coma. Um, and so that's like the prompt. But then as you uh, kind of investigate more, you'll find that it's actually these, these worldlings, these little gods uh, that are kind of bringing these children out to the woods and making them fall asleep uh, on the moss because the, the townsfolk use moss uh, as bedding. And the worldlings have, have found that they like the dreams of the townsfolk. And so they've started bringing townsfolk into the forest to sort of consume their dreams. <laughs> you know, things like that, there's not like a clear fix. It's not yeah. really necessarily uh, like killing all the moss. You know, that's not <laughs> how you solve this mystery. So first off is finding what the cause is. Uh, and then it's like working with these worldlings and maybe working with the townsfolk to come to some sort of agreement. And that's, so I, that's my, like, I like those kinds of adventures. Honestly, like, just going into a combat to resolve the end of a thing doesn't, isn't interesting to me often. It can be occasionally, but, like, I've been playing this game for a while. Rolling a 20-side die back and forth is the only way to resolve things. I like creativity. I like people exploring things. I don't, I like to not even know what the, perhaps, resolution is for some of these 
situations I put my players in sometimes. I like them to be creative and take me where they want to go with it. So yeah, that's the kind of stuff I get into. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a thrill when you're like, I have no idea how they're gonna get out of this. <laughs> what are they gonna do? I don't know. Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest, as a DM, I I reward like like perhaps it might not make sense that doing whatever creative thing would actually work, but I'm going to try it. And if you entertain me enough, it's going to probably work. Mm -hmm. Like, that's cool. I like that. I'll let the yeah. dice say what they say at the end of the day. But yeah, that's well, about how I approach those. That reminds me in, in 5e, there's even the inspiration mechanic, which is purely there to allow uh, DMs to reward players who are creative and really get into their character, and that's what. So I'm not, I'm not extremely familiar with the rule sets of fifth edition. <laughs> oh, what yeah, is the inspiration mechanic? Teach me. I need to learn this. Um. So uh, if you're familiar with the concept of advantage, yes, five um, e or other systems, yes. you know, you roll a d20 uh, twice and then you take the higher number. So inspiration is just a little thing that you can give out as a, as a dungeon oh. master that says, all right, well, I really liked, you know, that creative idea. I really liked how you got into your character. So you can, um, you get an inspiration point and that gives you an advantage on any uh, D20 roll later on. Oh, okay. That's not bad. That's not bad. I like that. It's just a way of sort I might, of rewarding I might snag it. that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But, you know, on the flips, you know, that's a mechanical encouragement of that sort of creative play. Yeah. But, like, on the flip side, you have, you know, these rule light, uh, rules light sort of games. You know, I'm partial to Cairn or uh, oh, yeah. know, in, Into the Odd type uh, type games where most of the time you just you just say, yeah, that works. Tell me how you're going to do that. <laughs> yes, it works. And then only when it's like when there's a lot of uncertainty do you uh, actually roll the dice so there's a lot less dice rolling yeah and so sometimes dice rolling as fun as it is and i do enjoy it uh i have my collection you know i have a big collection of all the dice and everything <laughs> sometimes it takes you out of the flow of gameplay and this shared storytelling there's there's a uh so i i'm gonna go on a weird rant and rant that's why I, that's what i'm here for <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a big dice roller and I'm not a big combat guy. Mm -hmm. I honestly, I think that a lot of times combat's unwarranted in game and not a realistic thing to expect in most yeah. circumstances. Um, and there seems to be when I start playing and we get into playing the characters and interacting in a world, there seems to be a, um, a rhythm I get in as a DM or as a player playing in that role, the role playing element where I'm just going with the flow and it seems to be everything's just kind of, kind of catching and moving mm -hmm. and we're playing through and, and, and it works, you know, is that a weird thing to say? You know what I'm talking no, about? No, I, I totally know what you're talking about. And like, you know, I've only been playing for uh, honestly a few years or at least DMing for a few years. And so, you know, I, when I started, it was very much like, Oh, combat. Cause all, a lot of the rules, and D and D are about combat. Yeah, I've heard it said that it's a combat game. You know, it is. It, it kind of is. It kind of set up that way. <laughs> We'd have these really cool encounters where 
oh, you, you meet some noble who's such a jerk and you, you hate the noble. And then like you, uh, invent, you go to rob him and then you find out that he's such a jerk because he's got a mean dad. You know, it's like <laughs> there's no combat needed, but it's an interesting kind of progression. Or, and you know, there, there's room for combat. Uh, and there's a certain style of play that like, uh, well, I think the dungeon crawl can often be a great place for that sort of thing. Um, dungeon crawls, uh, dungeon crawls, and I've said this before, they remind me of, of something from childhood. Mm. Like, like when I would go out, like my grandparents had a farm and I would go out there and they had this little, I think I may have said this before, this little wood stump house thing with little, uh, oh, sure. Little, little you know rails and stuff looking at a house but it was just a stump of wood that was carved in oh. and i remember looking at that thinking what's down in there and imagining crawling through the little annals of like earth oh, and yeah. dirt and everything that went down and it just takes me back to that place where i'd go back into the woods there behind the behind the the pasture and i go down there and there was an old burnout uh box car back oh, then, like an nice. old train car back then you'd be down there messing around like that's where it takes me like like what is back here in this this uh for sure move all this mud and dirt and cow poop out of the way <laughs> i have a similar you know sort of I, I feel like a lot of folks who grew up near uh wilderness probably have similar experiences going like uh here here in michigan we have uh you know i'm kind of in southeastern michigan we have a lot of uh swampland down here and yeah. so really dense rich areas with you know tiny streams and moss and and, and ivy and, and you know all this stuff it's the same sort of thing where uh, i want to get down my hands and knees and like get as close as i can <laughs> yeah and it's funny you mention i have a, a back burner project uh, that maybe i'll get to someday um uh called beetle night where you actually play um, a, a, a beetle knight who roams around the forest floor, um, oh. you know, having adventures in those spaces. Because, and and you look at like worldlings, it's very much that. It's very much like these are the little things that live in those little places. And are you are you familiar? How familiar are you with the writings of Marcos from the Zapatistas? If you, no. I, most people probably aren't. He has this. Uh, so there's a form of literature throughout Latin America that they call uh, magical realism. Are you familiar yes. with that concept? Yes. Uh, Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Is that a, no. Yes. Yes. He kind of does. Marcos is a revolutionary figure that led the Zapatistas. They came up in the against uh, NAFTA in the early 90s. That's a whole story. Really fascinating. Everybody should look it up and look into the Zapatistas and Marcos and what happened. But he did these writings where he made these points through a character called Dorito. And Dorito is a little beetle that lives in the Lancon jungle. And he's a little knight, kind of like Don Quixote or, or something. Oh my I gosh, he was modeled I, I have after. to read this. <laughs> he's got a walnut shell and he like Dorito is really cool. Um, I'm sure you can even find some of those writings just online. I've got like a collected works. I think it was put out by AK Press. But the stories about Dorito, like he almost walks and tramples over Dorito, and and they they kind of like Dorito makes this comparison to the uh, the U.S. Empire, like you're gonna trample over me, like the imperialists and all. And Dorito's just a sassy little beetle. That's <laughs> that puts me in the mind of I love it. <laughs> I love yeah, Dorito. Yeah, check this out because uh, that sounds right <laughs> up my alley. Yeah. 
Yeah, Marcos wrote some cool stuff, but his Dorito stories, I guess, or or essays or whatever they are, and, and I think it is spelled just D-U-R-I-T-O. Um, if you look at like Dorito, Marcos, Subcomandante yeah. Marcos, you can probably find stuff about it. Anyways, that's a complete sidetrack, but that's what I keep on thinking of. I'm, I was thinking of him earlier when you mentioned stepping on the the god the the, the world yes. and gods in the woods and then you start talking about the beetle i'm like yes this is dorito <laughs> territory here i need now i want to put dorito into a game i'm gonna have it happen <laughs> i mean i i like a lot of those things i mean if you look at a bunch of my writing it, it takes place in those sorts of worlds you look at uh, arbon and the rod dragon it takes place in a giant tree and there's there's giant bugs in there and uh the the most recent one gabico uh all these these there's all these mushroom goblins and uh, there's a faction that's that's giant grubs and so uh, there's all that but then also sort of on the more revolutionary note there's things like in gabico the there's a resistance faction and then there's like a king faction and then there's the grubs and the grubs were there before any of the goblins and so you kind of wind up in this weird moral conundrum where it's like all right how are you going to play along with these factions or work against them or what have you um i have a feeling you'd probably join the resistance that's what my part that's what my party did <laughs> Viva <Yeah>. la resistance. <laughs> i'm all about it yeah so um uh, the grubs is, are an interesting wrinkle in there because you know thinking about american uh, manifest destiny and the impact that had yeah. on native americans it's like okay so what do we do about that you know this is a world where it's the same thing has happened what what will you do about that adventurer some interesting stuff yeah no i think that makes for great games i, I and I, honestly I, I've, I've structured a lot of my campaigns and games around that kind of stuff and i, I find it fascinating and interesting i've interesting to see what the players do when they present them with that stuff they don't always like and the way i run it too like i like to let the players take the reins as much as possible now in doing that like they're they can go north south east west on the map there are some characters and things that they're going to run into no matter where they yeah. go <laughs> you know it's like I've got these plans. <laughs> it don't matter which way you go up and down the road. This feller is going to be here. <laughs> it doesn't change that much. But but what they follow does impact that, you know. Right, right. What hooks, you know, you'll, you'll give them the hooks. What hooks do they follow? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've definitely had players completely strike out on their own without the hooks and take it in places I didn't expect. That's happens. Well, that's, that's part of the fun. <laughs> Throw me for a loop. Yeah, speaking, speaking of that, uh, I wanted to... Uh, we were talking earlier about um, uh, collaborative world building. Yes, yes. You mentioned that you were yeah. doing that. I, I'm excited about this. Tell me uh, more. Yeah, uh, I was actually playing with AJ Montague, uh, uh, the co-author um, at Brooklyn Games, and my wife and uh, AJ's husband, and we were we were all world building together. And all I did was basic questions like, "Where? What's?" what is sort of like the world that we're working in and just said yes a few times. And, and next thing you know, we have this deep world uh, with all these interacting factions, uh, not, not factions, but like features. So the world that wound up being, Oh, the, the next step was to pass around. Um, I have an, an iPad with one of the pens. And so I had, oh, I yeah. had a, a hex flower, you know, up on there. So I passed yes. that around and had people draw, you know fill in some of the hexes 
the world that that we came up with was super interesting and and just uh hilarious and fun it takes place on the back of uh this baby giant uh the uh, baby red-headed giant <laughs> this giant is so big it's like the size of a continent and so entire societies <laughs> will will rise and fall on the back of this giant I don't think that's too far off from reality. I think they say about the little mites that live in your eye. Is it? Well, yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Going, like, <laughs> going back to the insects and all that stuff, uh, the the party decided that uh, ever, all the inhabitants were going to be bugs that um, are essentially, you know, like fleas <laughs> living yes. on the giant. Yeah, and the hairs are uh, that growing out of the back because it's a back, so there's lots of hairs growing out of it. Are like the size of trees, and then we decide that the giant is actually swimming in an ocean of sugar water, and that they just drink, <laughs> and it's like some sort of weird magical sugar water, and they just drink it, and so they have these sweat glands that sweat out really concentrated sugar water that crystallizes. Uh, essentially into candy and that's what the bugs eat so they harvest oh they sweet. harvest the giants uh-huh. <laughs> oh you are a dad i'm sorry <laughs> i couldn't help it <laughs> uh, i am definitely yeah. a father those children can't stand it <laughs> i mean i was making dad jokes you know full 15 years before my, my kid was born so i'm oh. but um yeah, it's just some really fun stuff. And then there's like a spot, there's a spot on the back that the giant can't scratch. And so there's like a <laughs> holy order uh, that is responsible for scratching the back uh, in that area. And then there's these wastelands right by the back, uh, right by that spot that the giant can't reach because that's where the giant is scratching so much. And so it's just like dry, flaky skin and no one lives there because the giant's always scratching there. You know, it's it's some fun stuff. Yeah, I like that. Here's the thing too. I really appreciate uh, fantasy that... J- Fantasy that deviates from like the Tolkien and or the traditional D D yeah. like settings that they have like Forgotten Realms and stuff because there's there are just kind of hard there's a hardwired fantasy setting that just kind of yeah you know that 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 one that a lot of us are familiar with but then you start finding like really creative unique stuff that people are coming up with like for example like with Terry Pratchett's thing the world oh, of the, yeah. of the turtle is what that kind of puts me in the mind of what you're talking about and that's so like this gigantic thing in sugar water is so bizarre, but it's neat. I, I like that. Yeah, it's, it's, cool. it's incredibly it's, bizarre. It's out there fantasy. Uh, I um, like that. We, did, we don't we don't know which system we're going to use. So uh, I'm thinking maybe Troika, maybe Into the End, but also Puffa's book. I've been reading that. Um, oh, you know, I just, I, I'm waiting yeah, uh, yeah. The second book just, just came out, right? Yep, I ordered those in the Exalted Funeral thing. I'm waiting for them to come in. I'm sitting here looking at my tracking app, like, oh, oh come on, faster! <laughs> come on, faster! <laughs> between the skies, between the skies. Yes, uh, that book's super interesting, um, and I learned about that here on this show. Um, but it's super interesting uh, because it's almost like a, um, it's almost like a guide for uh, to different styles of play. You know, there's a whole yeah, section cool. in there of the different dice mechanics that you could possibly use. And, you know, it's it's like it's like a, a textbook of things that you can try out. And, you know, as someone who's interested in, like, maybe designing his own systems, I, I design my own systems. I, I find that very, very interesting. Yeah. Maybe maybe between the skies will be what we run. 
But I, I'm thinking this sounds like Troika to me. <laughs> Very weird. Now I I'm like I I'll be I've I've always ran like I, I tend to gravitate towards like weird planar campaigns oh, yeah. and stuff because I like to just come out with bizarre crap. <laughs> I love that. And and I and that's one of the things I really like about about what Huffa did there. And I I've always been that way. And I think that's partially influenced by my like Doctor Who obsession of traveling yeah. from place to place growing up, being all into that back in the 80s. I was really the funniest into- <laughs> thing about Doctor Who is that yeah, they travel to these all these crazy places, but you know, 60% of them are the UK. <laughs> it's all it, especially the old ones, it's all like the same like gravel quarry yeah. and stuff like that. But it's fun, yeah. It's I the- mean, I grew up with that. Uh the first Doctor Who I ever saw was uh, uh who is the one with like the big curly fro and the long scarf the scarf that's tom baker that was my first in the early 80s was my first that i found and i yeah i was into it i got really into it after i saw i mean it's a fun concept (laughs) you know when i was younger we watched sliders oh yeah so odd you know that do you know an odd odd thing about sliders what's that is that is its relationship to Doctor Who? Its antagonistic relationship to it? Uh, no. <laughs> so apparently, at the same time they did the Doctor Who TV movie for Fox, they also did Sliders, and they were only they were only going to greenlight one of them oh. apparently, and it won over Doctor Who, from what I understand. So that's why we don't have nineties Who. <laughs> that's that's a but that's a shame. Pretty interesting. That's a shame. That was a, that was yeah, a, I guess they figured there was only one, only room for one interdimensional uh traveler on their uh lineup. Yeah, Boo. that was a neat show. I mean, I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that in forever. I need to go back and it, rewatch. I wonder if it's on stream. It definitely does not have the same cultural impact that Doctor Who has had. No, but it was, it was neat. neat. And old guy on there. There was the one guy I really liked on there that was in the yeah. old. Uh, gangster movies oh, is that the guy that played Gimli <laughs> I think yeah. it was I now I just realized that when you said that I think that was him I don't think I know his before. name yeah he's good that guy's got a great voice yeah he was good he was great out there so we're coming about on time let's uh could you tell the listeners where they can find you and and back what you got coming up both patreon and kickstarter yeah so um kind of the uh the big one that i'm uh, promoting right now is uh world links tales of tiny gods go to patreon or i'm sorry uh, kickstarter.com slash project slash brooklet games uh slash worldlings dash tales dash of dash tiny dash gods wow what a mouthful (laughs) um so uh, definitely check that out that's gonna be funny in august and then most of my work can be found on Patreon, and you can sign up uh, if you listen to the show. You probably heard the ads. You can sign up for a, a zine every month, and uh, the, the last zine that just came out was called uh, uh, Gabico or Gabico, uh, the Floating Goblin Fortress. And um, if you uh, if you sign up for uh, the Crew Champion tier, you can get it get my zines in print. That's patreon.com slash Brooklyn Games. Uh, and then there's a there's a new zine that's going to be coming out uh, in August there, smaller, a smaller zine uh, called Bones of the Red Dragon. And I, I strongly suggest backing Brooklyn Games. I do. 
I, on Patreon, and you should too. <laughs> Thanks for saying that. I appreciate it. No yeah, doubt. And, and no honestly, doubt. all my you can get my entire history of zines on there in digital form. So it's it's worth the deal. Plus, you can get a discount on my web store, which is just at brooklygames.com. Uh, and also, I want to tell you something that I've been I've been going up there because I've been using so I've been using the swamp stuff you oh, put nice. up there in our game. On our, our Saturday night game. So tomorrow night, I'm probably going to have it back out again because they still haven't gotten out of there. In fact, I almost forgot, just by coincidence, no, I've got the Forbidden Swamp. Oh, nice. Here, my... yeah. <laughs> I, had, I had mine, I had mine prepared just in case, too. So. Nice. I really have to I really have to do an actual print run of that. I feel uh, a yokai uh, gal told me that uh, it would make a great Karen adventure. So I got to write some Karen stats for that. So. Oh yeah, that would be that would be good. You should that would be good. I was trying maybe put yeah, good approach. You should do that. Well, thank you for coming on. It's been good talking to you again. Yes, you too. If you've enjoyed what you've heard here today, please give us a positive review wherever you're listening and tell your friends about us. You can find us on Facebook. Just search Wildlies and Wizards. Wildliesandwizards.com is our blog. I'm on Twitter at Logar Hale Crom. We're also on Patreon. We could really support patreon.com backslash wildliesandwizards. And as always, keep those dice rolling.